Happy Father's Day, everybody. Thank you. So glad to have all the dads in the house. Uh, you know, when I say in the house, I mean not only at our campuses, but maybe, Dad, you're even watching online. I just want you to know we are so excited that uh, you're here today because I know as a dad, I, I know there's a lot of places you could be, things you could be doing on this, your special weekend. So I am just stoked, Dad, that you've decided to spend a part of your special day with us here at Cedar Creek. And my hope, my prayer is that you are not only encouraged by being here today, but that you get just a little glimpse of how grateful we are for you and I know we've got some little gifts and surprises at all of our campuses. It's just a small way for us to say how much we appreciate you and the impact that you have on our families, on our church, and on our community. So, Dad, have a happy, happy Father's Day. Now, for all of the rest of us and the dads, if you'll go ahead and take out your message notes, you'll see we are in the third and final week of chapter 2. This series of messages in which we have been exploring practical ways to turn the page on our spiritual growth. To take a next step in the faith story that Jesus is writing across the pages of all of our Lives And our theme verse throughout this series has been this passage from the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 2. It's there on the top of your outline. Let's look at it together one more time. You ready? This is the Apostle Paul. And he says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. In fact, he says, let your lives be built on him. Then, here's the result, your faith will grow strong. You understand what he's saying? He's saying our faith story begins when we believe in Jesus, but it doesn't end there. It requires us to continue to follow Jesus, and following Jesus always requires a next step. I mean, if you really are serious about God writing your faith story, you have to be willing to turn the page on your life, to take a next step. And that's what this whole series has been all about. And so today, as we wrap this thing up, I want us to spend a few minutes looking at some of the barriers that keep us from growing. Barriers that get in the way of us taking a next step. And then, for those of you who are actually at one of our campuses, you're going to get to hear from some of our global peace workers who are in the middle of their very own chapter 2 moment. They're taking a huge next step in what God is doing in and through their lives. So it's going to be a great morning. I'm glad you're here for it. So let's jump in. Number one, one of the biggest barriers to us taking a next step is unhealthy contentment. Unhealthy contentment. What I mean by that is if you are content with the same old, same old in your life, the same old, same old is going to become a rut. 
And once you're in a rut, it's hard to get out of that rut. Someone once said that a rut is just a grave with the ends knocked out. And so we, as creatures of habit who like to have things where we got it worked out, we got it figured out, we got it smooth, that status quo becomes the end game for our lives. And that's a barrier to taking the next step. Last week, you remember we talked about the prodigal son? And one of the things that caused the prodigal son to change was he got fed up with living in a pig pen, right? His uncomfortable circumstances led him to take a next step. And just like uncomfortable circumstances can move us towards God, if we're not careful, our comfortable circumstances can keep us from moving closer to God. That's what I mean by unhealthy contentment. Now, let me be crystal clear here. Contentment is a spiritual virtue. As believers, we should learn how to be content. In fact, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Jesus followers of all time, said, I have learned the secret of being content. I have learned how to be content in plenty and in want. I have learned how to be content whether I am hungry or well fed. So what Paul is saying is as believers, we have to learn how to be content with what God has given us. But we must never be content with what we are doing with what God has given us. In fact, that's why Paul writes these words in Philippians chapter 3. Same Paul who said, I am content with where I am in life. Look at what he says here. He says, but there's one thing I do. I always do. Forgetting the past and straining towards what is ahead, I Keep what? What does he say? I keep trying to reach the goal. Does that sound like a guy who's content with where he is in life? Does that sound like a guy who's okay with just being okay? No. This is a guy who's content in his circumstances, but he has a holy discontent in what he is doing with those circumstances and when his life. It's unhealthy contentment. It's called complacency. And complacency is a barrier to spiritual growth. Great example of this in Matthew chapter 17. Jesus takes three of his 12 disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they leave the rest of the group and they go up on the top of a mountain. Just the four of them. And while they're there, an amazing thing happens. Jesus is physically transformed. His glory starts to shine through his human body. And as if that weren't cool enough for these guys to see, Moses and Elijah, two of their heroes of the faith, show up on the mountain. They've been dead over 400 years. And they're just like, Peter does what any of us would do. He's like, this is a good place to be, Lord. Let's just stay right here on the mountaintop. I'll build shelters for you and Moses and Elijah, and we will just Hang out here. While Peter is telling Jesus what they ought to do, God's voice is audibly heard, and God says, this is my son, listen to him. And then, boom, 
Everybody goes back to normal. Everything goes back to normal. And do you know what the first thing Jesus said to Peter, James, and John? Let's go back down the mountain. Let's go down the mountain. Let's not stay here. And do you know what's waiting for them at the bottom of the mountain? A huge crowd of hurting, broken people. People who are desperate for hope and desperate for healing. See, our comfortable circumstances can become a barrier to our next step when they cause us to lose sight of the uncomfortable circumstances of the people around us. So let me just ask you, where has your contentment become complacency? Where is your spiritual journey contentment turned into a rut that's smooth and comfortable but doesn't challenge you to trust God more? Maybe it's in your job. You know, you took that job, you had this plan, this career path, and this was just one step on it, and maybe it's the second or third step, but you got in that job and you were good at it, you got comfortable, and you're so complacent now you don't even dream about applying for something else. Or, or maybe it's in your marriage. Because, you know, your marriage is okay. You're not trying to kill each other. You're not headed to divorce court. Your marriage is okay, and you become okay with an okay marriage instead of a, taking a next step to make it a great marriage or maybe it's within your relationship to this church family you are content to come week in and week out or maybe every now and then and and sit and soak and be encouraged you like the music you like the message you like the way you're greeted and the fact you get donuts and coffee and you're just riding along and you're never even considering maybe just maybe I need to be a part of the team I need to serve. I need to use the gifts that God has given me. Look, if you're going to take a next step in continuing to grow spiritually, you're going to have to break through the barrier of unhealthy contentment. Number two, the second barrier, this is a big one, fear of risk. Fear of risk. Taking a next step of faith, always risky. If it's not risky, it's not faith. Right? Otherwise, you're just taking a walk if it's not taking a risk. All steps of faith are risky. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so faith is required to take a next step of faith. And that next step of faith means I have to be willing to risk. Now hear me. I'm not talking about risk for the sake of risk. Right? I'm not talking about feeding some need I have to, you know, an adrenaline junkie or just I love the thrill of the risk. I'm not talking about risks that try to meet some need in you. What I'm talking about is being willing to risk letting go of what you have so that you can take hold of what God has for you. I remember reading years ago years back about one of the ways they captured monkeys in the bush alive so they could sell them as pets. And one of the ways they did that was they would take these glass jars with a small mouth, a small opening to it. They would tie rope to those jars and then stake that rope in the ground and then they would put in that jar a nut or a little piece of fruit that would attract the monkeys. So the monkeys would come, they would reach into the jar and grab that treat 
But as long as they were holding on to the tree, they couldn't get their fist out. And they were so attracted and so committed to holding on to that thing that the people could walk right up to them and throw a net over them and catch them. All because they were unwilling to let go. See, some of us are spiritually stuck because we are afraid to risk letting go of what we have. Jesus tells a great parable of this in Matthew 25. He said there was a wealthy landowner who was going away on a long journey. He calls in three of his servants and he asks them to manage his finances while he is gone. And he gives each one of them a different amount of money. One gets five gold coins, one gets two gold coins, and one gets one gold coins. The master goes away, he's gone for some period of time. When he comes back, he calls in all three of the servants to see what they've done with what he gave them. The two that got the most, the one that got five and the one that got two, doubled their master's money. Doubled it. Now look, we don't know, it doesn't tell us how they did that, but if you know anything about finances and business, you know you don't double your money without taking some risk, right? But the one guy, the guy that just got one coin, notice his response to the master. Verse 25 and 26, he said, I was what? I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, is it just me, or does that seem like a harsh response to somebody who was scared? Why would the master say that because this guy was scared of losing the money? Well, I think the answer to that is probably found in this phrase, I would lose your money. Circle that, I would lose. Why is that important? Because, see, I believe this servant's fear was not driven by what he might cost the boss. He got the least amount. I think the reality is he was afraid of what a risk would cost him. He wasn't worried about the master's money. He was worried about his consequences in his own life. And I think many times, the reason you're not taking a step of faith for many of us here is not really because you're afraid you will mess up the kingdom of God. It's because you're afraid it will have consequences on you. So how do you push past this barrier of fear? And this is important. You don't remove the fear. You just replace the fear with something stronger. Look at what the Bible says, 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You know, 26 years as a pastor, I've never met somebody who took a risky step of faith because they lost their fear. I've never met somebody who stepped out in faith because the fear went away magically. But every day I meet followers of Jesus who take a risky step of faith because they really believe God's power is available to them and that belief is stronger than their fear. All the time I'm meeting people who even in their fear are so motivated by their love for people around them that they're able to step through that fear. I meet people all the time who are able to take big steps of faith because they've had the self-discipline to grow their faith in baby steps over a long 
period of time. They've developed spiritual habits that have given them strength over the course of their life. And that leads them and is bigger than their fear. And that really leads to the third barrier I want to talk about. And that is malnourishment. Sometimes we don't take the next step of faith because we are malnourished. It's not what's going on around us that paralyzes us. It's the lack of what is in us. You know, throughout the Bible, you see this imagery of agriculture used to describe spiritual growth. Like Jesus talked about it being like seeds. And you scatter those seeds, and if they fall in the right soil with the right mix of nutrients, then that plant's going to grow. Throughout the New Testament, the, the outward appearance of our faith, the outward demonstration of our faith is called fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe the reason the Bible uses agricultural imagery is not just because the Bible was written to an agrarian, agrarian community, I believe the Bible uses this imagery so that we can really understand what it takes to grow. Because if you know anything about growing plants, you know the nutrients are the key. Plants won't grow unless they absorb the right stuff in order to grow. In fact, look what the Bible says, Jeremiah 17, 8. This is talking about spiritually strong people. It says they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And because of that, look, it does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Your spiritual growth will be directly proportional to the amount of time, energy, effort, and intentionality you will put into feeding your heart and your mind the right stuff. I was reading recently about malnutrition happening within the United States. That it's actually becoming a significant problem among our young people. Not because they are not eating, but because they are eating the wrong things. That many of our kids are overweight and also undernourished. Why? Because they've been eating all of this junk and they are obese, but they are not strong because they've been feeding on the wrong stuff. And I'm just saying as Christians, many of us are overweight because we've been feeding our hearts and our minds with the junk of this culture and not the truth of who God is and what he's called us to do. That's why, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but every week in this series, I've talked about the importance of developing daily spiritual habits. The daily habit of immersing in God's Word. The daily habit of connecting in authentic community with other believers. The importance of having a mature believer, a Paul or a Paulette, Finding somebody within this church that's a few steps further down the road spiritually and reaching out and asking them to walk with you and to pull you along in your journey. The importance of serving consistently inside the church and outside the church because it's that little stuff done over time that will grow you strong. 
The U.S. Open Golf Tournament is taking place this weekend. The final round is this afternoon. And many of us, dads especially, will be plopped down on the couch watching every moment. And we will be amazed at how good these guys are. The shots they can hit, how far they can bomb it down the fairway, their ability to chip out of this brutal, thick, rough. And we're like, man, I wish I could do that. I'd like to go out and play like that. And you know why we do that? We look at them and think they just woke up one day and were great at golf. We completely forget about the hours those guys have spent pounding balls on the driving range till their hands bleed. We forgot about the long, lonely nights on the putting green when everybody else is out partying. What I'm saying is you're not going to wake up one day and magically be full of faith and able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. But if you'll be faithful and thankful for what God has given you instead of complaining about what you don't have, and if you'll consistently just do the next right thing that God reveals to you, take that next small step Over time, those small steps you take will turn into a giant leap of faith for the kingdom of God. And that, that, friends, is the story that God wants to write across the pages of every one of our lives. So let's just pray about that. Father, we, you have been so clear in your word over these last several weeks about what we need to do to give you access to turn the page to the next chapter. But Father, it's just all talk and fill in the blanks and reading verses if we don't put feet to these truths. And God, we all confess and recognize that we've all allowed fear, complacency, and malnourishment to get in the way of what you want to do in your kingdom, through us. So, Spirit, would you move among your people at this place called Cedar Creek Church. Would you call us to take a next step in Jesus' name. Amen.